Hello, everybody, and um, welcome to the XI Cafe. So that's our experience improvement podcast bring to you by um, In Moments. My name is Thomas Lorenzo. I'm the sales director here at In Moments, based in Auckland, New Zealand. And today we're talking to Melanie Dis from uh, Melanie Dis Consulting. And the topic today we'll cover is around the maturity of VOC in New Zealand and what it means actually to have a voice of customer program in place, whether you wish to start or enhance um, some of the current approach methodology capabilities. Hello and welcome to you, Melanie. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you, Thomas. Um, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. That's fantastic. Very excited as well to, um, to have that topic and, and leverage your experience here. Do you mind sharing a little bit more about yourself, a bit of um, background? What's your kind of um, picture, point of view you, you're taking on that topic for today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, love to. So uh, I've been in the world of market research, customer research, insights, customer experience, um, and voice of customer for just over 10 years now, which makes me feel kind of old, thinking it's, uh, it's almost a decade, uh, over a decade. Um, but most recently, really narrowed down into voice of customer programs as part of your wider customer experience function. Um, and most recently started my own business, uh, Melanie Dis Consulting, so here in Auckland, running my consulting firm. Um, and it's been really interesting over the last few months, um, and even before that, I had a lot of conversations with uh, people around voice of customer and, and customer experience to understand where everyone's at and where, you know, might fit into best. Um, and so typically what I find, organizations fall into one of two buckets. Uh, so we have... Um, a lot of people who show an interest in what it is, you know, what is customer experience? What does it mean? What are voice of customer programs? And what does it mean to be a customer centric organization quite in general? Um, and then we have another sort of um, area where people have something in place. They have a program up and running uh, maybe for a number of years even, but sort of at a stage where they're getting a little frustrated because um, they're not necessarily generating the value that they were hoping for when they first started off. And actually, interestingly enough, uh, Forrester, I don't know if you've seen the predictions, you know, prediction time of the year, Forrester is predicting that 20% of CX programs are will be struggling to get budget um, because they're not showcasing the value of their programs and not showcasing ROI. And that's really what we're seeing with voice of customer programs as well. We're building something up and we're developing a program, maybe an MVP, or maybe we're just getting started off. And then we never really develop or mature it further. So the value we create from the program for the business, so we're always it's just that little bit that we started, initially started off with. So those are the conversations that I'm having with organizations and that's sort of really my sweet spot, helping businesses mature their program to get the value out of them. Um, so really playing in that sort of data technology insight space and trying to help businesses um, have their programs performing at their best to, to get the value that they initially hoped for. Brilliant, thank you. So um, as you mentioned those two buckets here, Melanie, um, I always have in mind, is there is it a maturity issue standpoint or point of view that stops organizations starting or, or moving further throughout their program? So how would you define the maturity on VOC? Yeah, uh, good question. So it's actually interesting because mature means fully developed, right? But um, in terms of voice of customer, because we're so heavily reliant on technology, technology keeps 
pushing the boundaries of what good looks like and what, what is actually possible. So in terms of maturity, we think of it as a maturity curve or a maturity journey. So what, what, what is possible today, um, it may, may shift tomorrow, right? Because we're pushing what, what we can actually deliver. Um, but we typically look at maturity sort of in three phases. Um, some like to look at it in more granular, uh, more granularity. I kind of like three phases because it's easy to understand and I like it when things are easy. Um, and so you have the beginner phase and a mature phase and then you have the advanced uh, phase and you know what advanced looks like as I said keeps pushing out. But if you're sort of in the beginner phase where actually most of New Zealand organizations are still in that beginner phase because interestingly enough uh, tenure doesn't necessarily relate to maturity. So it means just because you have a program in place for a number of years doesn't actually mean that you are becoming more mature because, you know, if you grow your program by just adding more surveys to it, it doesn't make it more mature. It just makes it bigger, right? Um, so a lot of organizations in New Zealand are still um, in the beginner phase um, and haven't quite moved up that scale. If you look over, overseas to the US or Europe, there's a little bit more in that middle bucket, um, but there's still very few organizations who are actually in the advanced stage. So when we think about what those three stages are in the beginner phase, you, you, you rely on surveys only. So it's a pure survey program. You probably have a lot of manual processes in place, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Maybe you download an Excel file and play around with the data and read through verbatim manually. I'm sure a lot of people um, on the call have done that, including myself. Um, but you don't really have automated processes in place. The sharing of data might be a little bit siloed, and maybe you have a closed-loop process in place, but not much more than that. If you want to move up into the mature bucket, so the middle bucket of the maturity curve, you really have to think about how can I, where can I get customer feedback from beyond the traditional survey approach? What sources do I have that I can tap into that tell me about the experience our customers have with us that go beyond the survey? So you need to think about contact center data, social media data, maybe CRM type of data that you can leverage to understand experiences. So it's quite a different, it's quite a shift from your traditional survey um, programs. And another element that sort of moves you up the maturity curve is um, how you act on feedback. So you need to have processes in place to not just create reports and, and track your metrics, but to actually have mechanisms in place to get action driven on the feedback that comes through. So whether you democratize data and give it in the hands of the people who are responsible for those areas, or whether you have a framework in place to tackle some of those big systemic, really underlying uh, root cause issues, that sort of drives you up the maturity curve. And we don't really see a lot of that done well here in New Zealand. So a lot of organizations are still sort of in the beginner phases. You, you mentioned ROI and you just mentioned the, the maturity curve here. Do you mind, um, and, and I think as you mentioned, transforming those insights into action could lead towards ROI with the right framework. But for going up the maturity curve, um, what do you think actually drives that maturity? What, what's your point of view here? Yeah. Um, I think a big driver of maturity is technology, um, especially when we, so a key differentiator between a beginner's program and a more advanced is really the type of data we're looking at. Um, so survey data, and then we go into, you know, your unsolicited, um, unstructured data. So 
that, for example, as contact center phone calls or social media conversations or digital type of uh, feedback. Um, that's quite a different data source and you need to have the right technology in place to actually analyze that type of data. So technology can really move you up the scale. Um, when we when we think about consolidating data from different sources, making sense of it, particularly unstructured, so it's you know you know your your words and your your voice type of data, very different from traditional survey programs. So having the right technology in place is definitely a key driver, particularly if you want to move into the advanced stage. So advanced, we're we're looking at you know really consolidating all the data that you have in the business that touches on the customer and starting to predict experiences as well. It's quite a different conversation to sending a survey and maybe reporting on your metrics. So the conversation shifts quite quite a bit in the tech space. Um, and another element um, of maturity is your people and capability and, and skills. So what we often see is that um, a program gets implemented and maybe you have external support. And then when the person, uh, and when the program is up and running, we sort of leave it as is. Maybe we don't have the knowledge and the skills to develop the programs further. Um, but yeah, that's often what we say. We'd never really get to the stage where we really uh, drive a culture of customer centricity or culture of customer feedback, um, because we sort of tend to, Sometimes we tend to keep data within our little silos, right? So it's our, our team that's responsible for it. And maybe we're not quite ready for sharing. Whereas um, if you move up the maturity curve, you really, you're starting to share data. You're starting to work with the rest of the business and make sure all those teams who actually impact the customer experience, they have the feedback that tells them what the customer experience is about. So think about product, proposition, marketing, digital teams, they sit in the background, they don't speak to the customer directly, but everything they do impacts the customer experience. And the contact center, for example, is just a channel where the feedback comes through that is actually for everybody else in the business. So we really need to start to share that feedback with the rest of the team to enable them to act on it as well. There's a bit of a people capability um, play as well as a huge technology um, driver as well. I think that's that good point that you mentioned here. It's it's a change management project on its own, right? Especially yeah. if the desire is to set up that, that culture change and that customer centricity, as every change management project never happens in a day. And so um, the people need to be aligned with internal processes, et cetera. That's a yeah. very good point. So <laughs> on, on that, how do you feel, um, what, what are the typical challenges um, at the different level of maturities um, that you might have um, come across? Challenges, yeah. I think challenges are almost related to drivers as well. <laughs> like technology, huge driver of um, of maturity, but it's also a challenge because uh, people may not necessarily know what they need. So, you know, we don't know what we don't know. Maybe we don't have budget. Uh, maybe we don't fully understand where we actually want to develop and we don't have the technology in place. What we also see is that um, these days, uh, while we have, you know, VOC platforms who can wrap everything in, in once. We also have some uh, smaller solutions, um, for example, content, not smaller, but have solutions that uh, that 
do the parts of the things that uh, impact the customer experience or the customer feedback process, for example, the contact center environment, all of a sudden they start transcribing calls and they start analyzing uh, transcripts as well. But they have a very different use case to the use cases we have in the VOC um, space. So there are different technologies who look like they do similar jobs. And it's really important to understand how well they do those jobs for different use cases. So. If you don't have a, a VOC platform in place, you may have other um, systems in place, um, but you may struggle to actually get the, the value that you need from them. Um, so there's a bit of a tech challenge at times. Um, and, and align with that, as I said, with the drivers of um, maturity, people, again, people, knowledge, skills. So um, when we set up programs, um, sometimes we set them up as an MVP or we just set them up and want to see how they're performing and they move into BAU and then we don't necessarily develop them further. Um, and there's a, the reason for that is that the skills that are required to run a program, to manage a program and do the BAUs are very different from the skills that are required to mature and develop your program. So typically in New Zealand, VOC programs, VOC teams are quite small, right? We're a small country um, and VOC is a small practice for us. So you have, if you're lucky, you have one person. If you're, or if you're lucky, you have two people, but typically it's one, maybe it's even half an FTE, right? So small teams and they're typically tasked with reporting, operational things, uh, running the platform, maybe really looking after the survey deployment side of things. Um, maybe a bit of data analytics, very different skill set from uh, the, strategic, the strategic view on developing a program. Like, you know, what is what is the vision? Where are we going? What's possible? Like, what other data sources can we use to extract insights from? Very different conversations. So what we often see is people in VOC roles who are more on the operational, technical side of things rather than the strategic side of things. And VOC is a really interesting one in general because you can study marketing, you can study accounting, you can study finance. VOC is sort of emerging and developing. Like traditionally, we came from the research side. So we came from research and insights. Um, you do need to know about customer experience as well, because obviously we typically sit within customer experience teams. Um, but you also need to, about, need to know about data analytics, about data and technology, and you need to understand how it all comes together. We, we do play a lot with technology and data, right, and in our roles. And so you need to be able to pull that all together and filling, finding that skill set isn't always easy. So that's sort of one of the biggest challenges in the VUC world is really finding talent as well. So you have to have to look quite hard to find people for those roles, uh, depending on what it is that you actually need. I found I found as well to drive that culture change, the commitment from the C-level is something crucial. And then having the yeah. right governance in place, the right sponsor within the different layers and different departments in the organization is something critical. And as you yeah. mentioned as well, what I, what I like is you found as well that a lot of organizations have niche of VOC practice within department. You mentioned call center. Mm -hmm. um, and we kind of feel that there's a need at some point, uh, the organization with critical mass needs at some point to just gather all those data under one VOC banner. And that leads to, to our, our next question is, um, why is it so important to break down those silos? And even an organization that starts a VOC program, why is it important to keep the pace going and keep the evolution 
going towards a more major program. Moment, yeah. A good question. I mean, we just talk about, you know, how difficult it is to drive maturity and all the effort that goes into it. So why would you actually do that? Why would um, you do that? Yeah. Why would you bother? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think, uh, you know, the most important thing to keep in mind is customer expectations keep rising and rising. The bar is not going to come down. It's only going to go up, right? So if you want to remain competitive and stay relevant, you really need to understand your customers. You need to understand uh, what their experiences are like and what drives their experiences. So listen to that feedback in whichever way you do that is really important. So we know, for example, when we do typically um, when we deploy surveys, it's often deployed by, by email, sometimes by text message. But we know uh, survey fatigue is real. We know email open rates are going down. So it is an important source of feedback. Um, but looking beyond the traditional surveys only, including other data sources, is hugely beneficial. So if you only listen to, to survey feedback, you will only ever hear from a certain type of person who answers surveys. You will typically hear really positive or really negative feedback, but not all of it. Um, and you, you only hear from very small pool of people, right? So if you're lucky, you may have five to 10% of, you know, of those surveys that we actually send that are, you know, that have a trigger to be sent that we get feedback on. So long story short, it's only a very small amount of feedback that we actually have. So if you then start to look into contact center information, I mean, is there a treasure trove of insights, right? You have calls, you have chat, you get emails, you get complaints and you have social media as well. So all of a sudden you can listen to 100% of the conversations that are happening, at least that we you know we sort of can, can hear about or listen to. And this is such a rich pool of insights. So all of a sudden you get a much bigger picture you, or you have a fuller picture of what your customers um, experiences are. Um, and ultimately we really want to understand how satisfied are they, what's driving satisfaction. We want to you know, create stickiness and make them loyal. We want to, keep them, keep them for longer um, and want them to bring their friends, you know, all the good stuff that sort of comes with your customer experience programs that are, is ultimately driving your bottom line. But another element that comes with the voice of customer programs is we actually start to pick up on all those friction areas. And often the friction areas that customers experience are also friction areas your employees experience. And it's typically friction areas, at least the big things, are friction areas that create huge inefficiencies for your business and drive cost, right? So you can reduce cost, reduce efficiencies, improve customer experience as well as employee experience by simply listening to what is actually going on within the business. So it's hugely valuable. Um, and unfortunately, you know, there's a growing concern um, about the looming recession and hopefully it's not going to come next year. But if it comes, it's even more so important to really listen to your customers and do that in a much more sophisticated way than just sending point surveys. So there's a, a lot of reasons why we want to listen to customers and understand their experiences and then obviously act on it as well. So sometimes we forget that um, and the, the insights to action piece, acting on feedback, having frameworks set up um, defines maturity as well. So not just listening to a lot of conversations, but really acting on the feedback that comes through and that is a, a crucial point as well. So lots of good reasons why you would want to um, drive up that maturity curve for your program. That makes sense. I, I think it's it's great feedback here, Melanie. Thank you. I feel as well with what you mentioned, recession. There's a lot of macroeconomic um, 
factors here that we've gone through the last two years and, and now we're still on there. Um, but there's also what I feel is the most controllable assets that an organization possesses, customer and employee. Mm. So the, the focus and, and the immediate priority should be on those assets because that's the controllables and then the macroeconomic influence, the longer strategy. Um, that's, um, yeah, I just want to share that, that quick point here. But yeah. now we know, now we, we kind of have your point of view on, on the why it's important to progress the maturity piece. How do you actually get it going? <laughs> how do you enable? How, how do you make it happen? What, what's your take there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, good question. So if you want to um, mature your program, the first thing is to understand where you're at. So where is your program at at the moment? So a program review or a maturity assessment are really helpful to understand where you currently are at with your program within your business. Um, if you don't have a program, just start at the beginning. It's actually it's surprising how many organizations don't have a strategy for voice of customer. Um, and you know, to be, I've actually created a few, so I know that there aren't a lot around, um, but there's also not a lot of uh, strategies for customer in general, a customer strategy or a CX strategy. Um, they're sometimes lacking, so it's really important to have clarity around those because when we create a voice of customer strategy, um, we need to be clear on what's the purpose of this thing? Why are we doing this, right? So what are you trying to achieve? You need to have a bit of a vision, like where do you want to get to? And all the mechanics in the background, you know, what, what metric, what type of survey, those come after you've uh, have established your, your vision and your strategy. And some people start the wrong way around, starting with the MPS metric, let's do MPS and see what we can do with it. Whereas in actual fact, we need to start with what's the purpose of the program? What are we trying to achieve? And then how do we measure that as well? And the, the tip I always give businesses is make sure you hook that into existing strategies. So if you don't have a CX strategy or a customer strategy, hook it in your business strategy. There's most likely something in there that talks about your customers. Um, and you can really show value with your program by relating your strategy back to the business strategy and make sure you're tracking the right things that helps the business understand whether they're actually achieving what they're trying to to do and to build so that's a it's a really important part before we get started even if you have a program in place and you do that you know maturity assessment or program review review if you have a strategy review the strategy if you don't have a strategy put a, a strategy and a purpose in place it's really important because if you don't know where you're at and you don't know where you're going like how, how do you know where, where, how to get there, right? Um, so that's the number one step. And I feel like that's not always the case, um, at least not what I've seen sort of um, over the last few years. Um, and then uh, once you've established sort of where you're at and where you want to get to, have a think about um, um, what type of data sources you really need and want. So if you have a survey program in place, start thinking about those other data sources that we just talked about, contact center, maybe, maybe social media. It sometimes depends. Sometimes we start with what is easiest to get to. So organizations are all different. Sometimes it's easy to leverage chat data or call data. Sometimes it's easier to start with social media. So pick a use case that is sort of easy to do and so you get some quick wins on the board and people see the value of it um, and start with adding some data sources. Um, and another element is again, the insights to action framework. I talk about it a lot, but it's important because we need to share 
we need to start sharing data, right? We, we can't hold it in our little silos. We need to share it. It's not just for us, it's for everyone. Um, the feedback that we get is literally, as I said, feedback that everybody else in the business needs to hear. Um, and by sharing that feedback with the right paper, you're also starting to slowly uh, drive that culture uh, mind shift, right? So all of a sudden, a product team, a propositions team, um, a digital team, a marketing campaign team, they're not just responsible for creating services and products and campaigns, um, but also responsible for maintaining and improving those experiences. So when we share the feedback with them, they understand what they actually do to the customer, to the customer experience. And we need to shift mindset a little bit, making people feel responsible for maintaining those experiences as well. And that's when we go into sort of a little bit of a culture shift around customer centricity. And that can only really be done when we share data, democratize data with the teams. There's a little bit of an education piece around it as well. Sometimes people are nervous to share because it might be misinterpreted. So you have to set it up in the right way, but it's really important that people know about these things because that is the only way that we can actually start improving. So having those frameworks in place, breaking down those silos, sharing the data, those are all steps. Um, and the, the easiest way to, to build that out is through a roadmap, right? So I really love roadmaps because they tell you all the different steps you can take to get to the place where you want to get to. Um, so it breaks it down into specific projects, specific initiatives, so you don't just see this big thing in the future and you don't quite know how to get to, you have very specific projects in place that get you there. Um, and sometimes we don't know what we don't know, so you may want to think about external advice on that as well if you don't have knowledge in-house, because knowledge can be an issue in itself. Um, but that is sort of the easiest, easiest way to progress, really making sure you have a, a solid roadmap in place. Yeah, sorry, I'm talking a lot. <laughs> no, that's that, that's great, Melanie. Thank you, thank you so much. I think it's it's very valid point that you're bringing here. Um, we we're getting unfortunately close to uh to to the end of our session of our podcast today. Is there anything you you wanted to um finally add? Perhaps some of your recent experience or or anything in particular before before we come down. Um, I think the one thing that's probably on a lot of people's minds at the moment is really the what's going to happen next year. I mean, um, whenever there's sort of talk of recession, people get quite nervous. But the number one thing to think about really is the same as we've seen in the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, more than ever, is really the time to be close to your customers and to listen to your customers and make sure you really have a customer experience function in place and you know what is important. If you want to keep them, you want to, you know, we want them sticky and, and being around and, and driving loyalty, you really need to know what your customers um, will need and what their experiences are. So now more than ever is really the time to, to um, look into that in more detail. That's fantastic. Thank you very much, Melanie, for, uh, for coming on a podcast, sharing your, your knowledge with us today. It's, it's a short session, and, and, and I'm sure we can pick up those, those conversations mm -hmm. um, offline. Um, yeah, that's it. Ultimately, I know sex maturity is a big topic in sex in general in New Zealand here. So I've been here for 10 years, and I'm always looking at pushing New Zealand economy, mindset, industries towards <laughs> more and more innovation. New Zealand is very yeah. strong for innovation, but yeah. that's, that's that fine line of where to start, how to do it, um, et cetera. Yeah. So look, thank you. Thank you so much to our guests for listening to the XI um, Cafe podcast today. 
Um, we hope everybody um, on the on this podcast enjoy these episodes um, and stay tuned for more episodes like this in the, in the near future. I wish you, Melanie, um, and our audience as well a great time over the festive period that is coming, um, and and all the best with your with your loved ones. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Thomas. Thanks a lot.